We are in a series right now called Voices. Um, and in this series, we're talking about the different voices in our lives and the amount of influence that we give those voices. Not all of the voices in our life should carry the same amount of weight. Not all should carry the same amount of influence. The voice of the media and popular culture should not carry the same amount of weight and influence in our lives as the Word of God. That voice should be weightier than the voice of any of our news outlets, than the voice of any of our social media outlets. The voice of self should not be weighted above the voice of God. The voices of shame and accusation, abuse, the voices of society, they should not come anywhere near the weightiness in our hearts as the voice of love and grace and mercy that God speaks over us if we will listen. Today, I'm going to talk about the pastoral voice in your life. The voice of the pastor will sound a little different depending on where God's called you to. But for you, as people gathered here together at Impact Rock, but for you as people that the Lord has called to this church, your pastoral voice is going to sound in, in varied ways. That voice can be quiet and measured. Or it can be boisterous and demonstrative. That voice can invoke humor. Or that pastoral voice can be marked by attentiveness or tenderness. Kara's tender. At Impact Rock, this voice can even bear a southern accent. But regardless of the varied and wonderful means of its sound, please know this. The intent, the purpose, and the primary responsibility of the pastoral voice at Impact Rock Church, they are singular. And that is to be like Jesus in his love and to inspire the church to love Jesus, to follow him, to love one another, and to love the lost sheep that Jesus gave his life to save. I don't care the accent, the tone, the personality. That's the message that's singular among this team. The role of a pastor is to be like Christ in his love while inspiring the church, the flock, to love Christ, to love one another, and to love beyond the walls. The voice of the pastor should reflect that role. But thankfully, we get to 
bring that voice. The pastoral team here at this church, we get to bring that voice within the unique deliverable of our personalities, of our passions, of our capacity, of our maturity, of our season, of whatever is there. But it's unique to each pastor. In Acts chapter 20, we are given great individual features of the pastor's responsibilities from Paul. But most importantly, we can see that the responsibility, the responsibilities of a pastor are clearly demonstrated first and foremost by Jesus Christ. So turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps to uh, Acts chapter 20. We'll also have the scriptures up here behind me so you can, you can read along. Acts chapter 20. I'm going to start with verse 16. It says this, Paul was in a hurry to arrive in Jerusalem, hoping to make it in time for the Feast of Pentecost. So he decided to bypass Ephesus and not spend any time in that region. However, from Miletus, Paul had sent a message to the elders of the church in Ephesus and asked them to come and meet with him. So in the New Testament, we see, we see several words that are used for what we know as pastor. It can be elder, pastor, overseer. But it talks about that same function of pastoring the church, of overseeing the church and shepherding his flock. So Paul, he, he gathers, he sends out word and says, I want to see all the, the pastors in this region that he had been pouring into. Continue the next verse. When they arrived, when the pastors, the, the elders, the overseers of the church arrived, he said to them, all of you know how I've lived and conducted myself while I was with you. If I can stop right there, how, how did they all know how he lived and conducted his life when he was with them? Because we're called to do life together. We're called to do life together. There's not called to be this hierarchy, this division of, oh, we keep the clergy separate from the... And there's a word like for the church. I forget what they used to use. It seemed like a condescending word. The laity, the lay people. Doesn't that sound condescending? Do you want to be like the laity? I don't even know exactly what it means. It sounds bad though. Like, like there's not this division. We're supposed to do life together. All of you know how I've lived and conducted myself when I was with you. From the first day I set foot in western Turkey, also referred to as the province of Asia, I've operated in God's miracle power with great humility and served you with many tears. I've endured numerous ordeals because of the plots of the Jews. You know how I've taught you in public meetings and in your homes and that I've not held anything back from you that would help you grow. I urged both Jews and non-Jews to turn from sin to God and to have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, I am captive to the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem without really knowing what will happen to me there. Yet I know that the Holy Spirit warns me in town after town, saying, chains and afflictions are prepared for you. But whether I live or die is not important. For I don't 
esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. Man, what, what, a, what an intro to what Paul had to say. Can you, can you imagine being one of these pastors, one of these leaders, and hearing him bring this and talking about his life not being more important than the mission of Christ, than the call of Christ, than the things that God has asked him to do. That's selfless. When he talks of humility, he means it. He values not his own life unto death. He saw it demonstrated by Christ. He himself knows what awaits him in in these towns because the Holy Spirit tells him. It's important to grasp that Paul modeled these things to the pastors in Ephesus because he himself saw them modeled by Jesus Christ. He's just following the lead. He's just following the lead of Christ. And Paul, believing that this will be the last time that he gets to be with and to speak to these pastors, he reminds them of how they should be living, of how they should be modeling this to their church, to the people following, to the people growing in Christ, and letting them know that they also should be modeling this in their lives. Next verse, verse 25. I've been a part of your lives and I've shared with you many times the message of God's kingdom realm, but now I leave you and you will not see my face again. If any of you should be lost, I will not be blamed for my conscience is clean because I've taught you everything I could about God's eternal plan and I've held nothing back. Now we got to read that. We got to read that with some umph. Listen to what he's saying. And listen to the way he's saying it. Friends, the pastoral voice in your life shouldn't just be sugary sweet. It shouldn't just be just the the sweet stuff. It shouldn't just be gentleness and puppy dogs and soft serve ice cream. The pastoral voice in your life should be challenging. The pastoral life in your voice in your life should be bold. I don't care if it's coming from Kara or Kim and Sarah, who have who are the softer side of Sears for sure, or if it's coming from Andy or Chris or myself, who can I mean we tend to be a little bit more direct and a little bit more bold. Boldness is part of that voice. Candor is part of that voice. Honesty absolutely is part of that voice. And pointing you to the truth contained in Scripture and pointing you to Jesus is absolutely part of that voice. Paul said with both humility and strength, he said, if any of you turns away, that's on you. It ain't on me because I did my job. Parents, you ever made a great meal and your kid just refused to eat it? 
And don't make, don't, don't make him a hot dog. Don't give them like a pop socket or whatever. I mean, not pop socket. Hot pocket. <laughs> or pop socket. Whatever. Pop locket. Whatever. I mean, if you made a meal for them and they didn't eat, you know what you say? Go hungry. That's on you. Go hungry. That's on you. I made you a meal. You can have some water. I made you a meal. I brought you this delicious truth. You didn't eat. That's on you. Paul, I, I think it all the time. Paul says it. Hey, if any of you are lost, it ain't, it ain't on me. It's on you. That's boldness. That's candor. That's honesty. But it's also challenging. Challenging is part of the pastoral voice. I just, I mean, y'all know this. You, you choose to come here. Y'all know this. But our job is not to just make you feel good. No one's ever going to confuse me for the happy pastor. Like the, hey, just always one big smile and bubble gum. I said bubble gum, not bubble gump. But it could be both. It could be whatever. The pastoral voice is often bold, often direct, and it can be offensive. Jesus was often bold, often direct, and often offensive. The truth at times is offensive. Saying to you, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to have salvation. There is no other means. There's not a back door. There's not a route. There's not another path. There's not another God. Jesus is the only means of salvation and forgiveness and grace. That's offensive to some because it's narrow, because it goes against popular opinion, because it's not, you know, it, uh, it, it doesn't sound inclusive to everybody, but it is. Because Jesus paid that price for everyone. He laid down his life and his blood bought the lives of everyone who would believe. So it's completely inclusive. But you've got to believe. Can I say something with humility that's strong, probably offensive right now? I don't know why I'm asking. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm totally going to say it anyway. But that was like a courtesy, like just to prepare you. There's a pretty popular saying these days. has been around, I think, a small handful of years. And you'll never hear that saying in this church. You'll never hear this saying from this pastoral team. And that catchphrase is, live your own truth. Friends, that's garbage. That's total bull. There's not truth in it. If you're saying it, quit saying it. If you've believed it, change your mind. Live your own truth. It means that every person has been given cultural and societal permission to create their own personal version of the truth. This dangerous philosophy states this. It says, we are free to craft a version of the truth that fits our own individual story and experiences. 
And here's the most harmful part of that philosophy. No one's free to disagree with it. No one's free to invalidate it. No one can hold you accountable to it because it's your truth. Can I give you just a, a simple example of this? Right now, if I close my eyes, even though these lights that we have are set up, you know, are, 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 they're very bright, but if I close my eyes, it is dark. It's dark. That's my truth. It is dark in this building. It is dark in here. It is dark in all of Erie, Colorado right now. It's dark. I open my eyes, that, that truth changes. If I squint my eyes, oh, it's very cloudy, it's very blurry, there's low visibility. I can't see anything, I can't even see, I, I just see blurs. I open my eyes, that truth goes away. I put on the heaviest winter coat, oh my gosh, it's so hot in here. I'm so hot, it's hot in Colorado, it's hot at 710 Austin Avenue. I take the jacket off, I'm like, oh, it's actually kind of nice, maybe even a little chilly. My mom's always cold. Is it cold in here, mom? Yes, she's always cold. Our, our truth is fickle. Our truth changes. Your truth is fickle. Your truth changes. Because your circumstance changes. Because your season changes. Because your life changes. Because your maturity level changes. Because your convictions change. Things change. The truth that we are meant to live is not the flawed, painful, uncertain, always changing state of your circumstances. But we are meant to live the real, never changing, always constant truth of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus and the truth of his love for you, then you know truth. If you know Jesus and the truth of his grace and his patience for you, then you know truth. If you know Jesus, then you know that he's there to walk with you along this journey. He doesn't chastise and reprimand you when you fall. He says, come on, I'm here. Come on, here, let me, let me help you up. Let's go. If you know Jesus, you know that he is always there to walk with you. He's patient with us. And it's always speaking life and truth. He's always got something to say. His voice is always present if we'll listen. Check this out. This is, this is phenomenal. I'm not even kidding you. Matthew 16. This is an incredible, incredible, relevant story. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, uh, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus is saying, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Check this out. This is ridiculous. This is awesome. Simon Peter replied, you? You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Now check this out. Listen to each measured, calculated word of Jesus. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Okay, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then this. And I tell you, you are Peter. I tell you. He's got the same blessed to you, Simon Barjona. And I tell you, you are Peter. Here's the problem. We're all trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to know us without knowing Jesus. We're trying to know us without knowing Jesus. We're trying to do it on our own, on our limited wisdom. I don't care how brilliant you are. And there, let me just gaze. Brilliant people, brilliant people across the room, but your brilliance is so limited. It's not greater than God. Your wisdom is limited. It's not greater than God. And yet, we're trying to figure out us without knowing Jesus first. What did Peter do? Peter said, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. Jesus came, sorry, Peter came to know who Jesus was, and then Jesus told him who he was. We, we mix it up. We try and get all our poop together and say, all right, I got my stuff together. I'm good. Now I'm presentable. And Jesus is like, know me. I'll tell you who you are. And then you'll know you. That's truth. When our relationship with God is jacked up, we're all deceived. When our relationship with God is messed up, then I'm, then, then my relationship, when my relationship with God is messed up, then my relationship with my spouse will be jacked up. When your relationship with God is messed up, it's unhealthy, the relationship with your kids is going to be a little messed up and unhealthy. You're going to try your best, you're going to do your best, but you're still flawed. You're still impatient and not present and angry and hurting. If our relationship with God is rough, then our relationship with ourself and our self-identity is going to be rough. The order matters. The order matters. Know God and then know you. I love that. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You didn't figure this out on your own. You figured out that. My God showed you this. Hey, Simon Barjona, you are Peter. I give you a new name today. I give you a new identity today. I give you a new purpose today. On this rock, my, my church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail. Man, come on, like a, now all of a sudden he's like inspirational and firing him up and speaking vision and truth and purpose. I'm getting fired up. Sometimes your pastoral voice preaches a sermon within the sermon and then gets back to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. So guard your hearts. Once again, this is Paul speaking to the pastors, right? This is Paul speaking to the leaders. So guard your hearts. Be true shepherds over all the flock and feed them well. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the Anointed One. 
which he purchased and established by his own blood. Friends, the pastoral voice at Impact Rock Church is not self-appointed. It's not self-appointed. It's appointed by God. You know what I chose? You know what I, here's what I chose. I chose a degree in graphic design and professional football. I heard someone say that didn't work. But how about this? That, that would have never satisfied apart from Jesus Christ. That would have never satisfied apart from Jesus saying, I have thoughts on who you are. Do you want to hear it? Because it, it's not you determining your worth based on your talents or your abilities or your toughness or... It's not based on football, Mark. That's not why I love you. That's not who you are. I have something for you outside of that means of self-value. The pastoral voice of this team will always point you to Jesus, the Anointed One. And we will always speak with faith and we will always speak with boldness about his blood that purchased all who will believe and trust in him alone as the means of salvation. Next verse, 29. I know that after I leave, imposters who have no loyalty to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. Even some from among your very own ranks will rise up, twisting the truth to seduce people into following them instead of Jesus. So be alert and discerning. Friends, there are voices in our life that are trying to get you to follow them instead of following Jesus. So be alert and discerning. I knew I was going to get fired up in this message. I knew. You know, I even told myself, I'm like, Mark, don't cuss. Don't, go, don't get so fired up. Like, because this crap is bull. There's so much bull out there. There's so many voices that want you to follow them instead of Jesus. And I love that Jesus made sure it was in his word. Is it still up? Heck yeah. <laughs> Twisting the truth to seduce people into following them instead of Jesus. So be alert and discerning. Remember that for three years, night and day, I never stopped warning each of you, pouring out my heart to you with tears with tears. As Paul shared that last sentence with vulnerability and transparency, all do the same thing. Emotions are a part of who we are. Passion is part of who we are. Your pastoral team is passionate about you. Living a life that is free and fulfilled and long in Jesus. And sometimes we get emotional. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes my emotional is misplaced. My emotions are misplaced. They are. Sometimes I get too emotional. I got to reel it back in. But you know what? I, I see this example of vulnerability in the scripture. And Paul's saying, man, many, many tears. It's how I've lived this life and how I've been real before you. So the pastoral voice of this church is going to be real. 
and we're going to point you to Jesus. And if I have an opinion outside of Scripture, I'll let you know. This is according to me. It has nothing to do with God. I can't think of a single instance I've ever said that. Maybe about the Raiders. Maybe, probably about the Raiders. Maybe about something insignificant like a pizza joint or a whatever. I mean, you know, whatever. I talk about food every message. But when it comes to truth, I have no opinion outside of Scripture. I have no opinion outside of the Word of God. This pastoral team has no truth outside of the truth. That's a fact. No denominational line, no political line, no societal norm. We have no opinion outside of the Word of God that will bring life. Passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate. We're passionate about helping people love Jesus. Helping people follow Jesus. And the first thing that we try and drive home again and again and again, you can't love an it. You love a person. You love the Father. A person. You love the Son. A person. You love the Holy Spirit. A person. And the Father gave Jesus the name above all names. So that's the name we exalt. That's the name we glorify. He's the one who perfectly represented obedience to the Father and the love of the Father and gave his life for you and I. He's the only means by which we can be saved. So that's why we exalt Jesus in this place. We are real. We are authentic. We are vulnerable and passionate. We are flawed. Love repentance. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We value humility. You stick around long enough, you're going to see us blow it. You're going to hear us blow it. We're going to respond. I'm going to respond with probably an emotionality that might cross the line. I'm going to, I talk a lot. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth and say something harsh thoughtless and then you're going to see me say I'm sorry man I, I'm sorry I'm sorry I, I own it I was thoughtless or I was harsh or I was impatient and I'm sorry will you forgive me we're going to preach forgiveness because we have been forgiven so much by our Lord that we model his behavior and we forgive others pastoral voice of this church will never gather you unto ourselves we will always gather you unto God we're never going to point you to ourselves maybe if there's an example where you know we can kind of show our humanity if you will to drive home a point yeah but that's not that's not pointing us to ourselves that might be just using ourselves as an example we're going to always point you to Christ the one who saves who heals, the one who delivers, the one who declares who you are and its truth. Let's listen to Paul's last words to this group of elders that he has called together. Verse 32. 
And so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of His grace, which is all. Can you say all? Which is all that you need to become strong. Isn't that amazing? God's grace is all you need to become strong. God's grace, it's all I need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through this message of His grace, which He provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of His holy ones. Who are His holy ones? Every one of us who's believed. We're the holy ones. He doesn't look at us and say, to, to all my dirty ones, to all my talkative, gossipy, little annoying ones, or whatever else the voices in our mind would call us, unworthy ones, broken ones, unpresent ones, whatever it is. He says, oh, no, no. This inheritance is for all of my holy ones. Because that's how we're seen by God through the completed work of Jesus Christ. Paul challenged these elders to continue the work they'd done. And all these challenges were first thrown out there by God. They were challenged to preach all the words of God without holding back. Therefore, the voice of a pastor preaches the word of God without holding back. They were challenged to watch over their own lives as well as the lives of the flock. So the voice of a pastor should be an example to the church. They were challenged to oversee the flock, relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the voice of a pastor shepherds the church in the Holy Spirit's power and giftings. They were challenged to feed the church of God and to disciple her using the word of God and teaching them to live like Christ. Therefore, the voice of a pastor is to be a teacher. Unpacking truth. Not where it's way above heads, but where it's easy to receive and easy to respond to. Where Jesus is easy to respond to. They were challenged to remember that they were purchased with the blood of Christ. They were challenged to watch out for those who would come in to the flock like wolves and teach distortion and popular lies in an effort to get people to follow them instead of Jesus. They were challenged to become emotionally invested and dedicated to pray and communicate the urgency of grace to everyone with passion and authenticity. That's, that's all I just read. I'm just summarizing. That passage we read in Acts chapter 20 shows what they were challenged to in these things. The voice of the pastor, it should be multifaceted. It should be the voice of challenge. It should be the voice of friendship. It should be the voice of hope. It should be the voice of faith. It should be the voice of truth. It should be the voice of boldness. It's multifaceted. And each one of us, as we stand up here and we deliver God's truth, is going to come across in different ways. That's why I love diversity. I love team. I love diversity. I love that there's not a person on this pastoral team that's like a Mark Jr. It's like a little clone of me. I love that. We got one mark. We don't need. We don't need like five. Maybe like two or three or four. No, I'm just kidding. Church, 
you are missing out on the blessings of authenticity and covering and friendship and discipleship. Hear me. You're missing out on those things if you take this voice lightly. If you value the voice of CNN or Fox News above the the pastoral voice that God has put in your life, you're missing out on blessings. If you value the voice of an influencer on TikTok more than you value the pastoral voice that God has gifted you with, because in Ephesians 4, He calls us gifts. That's not me phrasing it that way. Jesus says, I gave gifts to grow the church up. I gave gifts to strengthen the church. And if you're not grabbing a hold of this pastoral voice and saying, I'm not just going to dismiss this as another person's opinion. I'm going to grab a hold of this as truth because they're, they're backing their opinions up with the word of God. If you're not receiving that, you're missing out. I know that sounds self-serving. It's not. It's you serving. As your pastoral voice, we will always point you to Christ. We will always gather you to God. And we will always impart his message of grace so that we can walk in this inheritance together. Can we close our eyes? This entire message has been about Jesus. About knowing him so that you can be known. About knowing him so that he can declare to you who you are. About knowing him so that the onus doesn't fall on you to to find yourself, to find your worth. Do you know Jesus? Is there anyone here that does not know Jesus? You can know him. And there's no hoops to jump through. You just have to place your trust in him and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that in you I can be saved and you alone I've certainly tried it myself and that didn't work out. With all eyes closed, except if that's you that I'm talking about, except if that's you who doesn't know Jesus, if, if I'm talking to you and you want to know Jesus today, then you, I want you to open your eyes big. I want you to lock eyes with me. I want you to raise your hand or give me some sort of visual that indicates You're talking to me. God's talking to me. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know me, but first I I need to know you. If that's you, would you just lock eyes with me? Would you give me some indication? I'm not trying to persuade anybody, but I am also trying to be very importune about this moment. Is there anybody? Maybe someone watching online, and if that's you, I want you to know. Even though you're not here in the building, you're important. And if you'll email us at contact at impactrock.com, leave your phone number. Our pastoral team will call you. We'll point you to Jesus. We'll pray with you. We'll send you a Bible. We'll link arms with you. You can open our eyes. We love doing what we do. None of us chose this. You can't choose this. You don't choose this calling. You don't choose to be a pastor. 
none of us went to seminary. I'm actually really thankful about that. Not that seminary's bad, but we're just average Joes who love Jesus. Joes and Janes. I mean, they're just you know, average folks who love Jesus, who, who are going to point you to Jesus. And we love doing it. As I share challenging things, if you've got questions, then come see me. I'm not unapproachable. Come see me. You said this. I don't understand this. Can you help me explain? Can you explain that? Can you help me understand that? We'll sit down. I want to get to understanding. That's great. I love dialogue. But don't go home been out of shape without responding to the Lord being the one who's challenging you and just wanting to open up dialogue with you. Love you guys. Thank you for letting me point you to Jesus today. I'll leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.